Can we just give a 10 second praise to God for the worship and the words? I'm gonna give you 10 seconds to honor the King. We got eight more seconds. I know you. if you have air in your lungs, you have a praise on your tongue. Give Him worthy, give Him glory, give Him glory. Five more seconds to praise the King, come on. Come on somebody, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. We thank you, Jesus. Well, hey, my name's Aaron. As you're making your way back to your seats, I have a couple of announcements for you. First off, we want to thank the worship team and the students from Global for the prophetic gift that they brought and the training they brought. Just so you know, today after service at 1 p.m., if I could have your attention, praise. Thank you. Thank you. We love relationship, but we also like order. Amen. Okay, so we have a training. This is really important. They didn't come all the way out here just to teach a little bit, prophesy a little bit, and leave, but they came to impact our city. So we want to partner with them today. If you feel, if you have a free afternoon and you feel a calling on your life to just do something for the kingdom, we have a training at 1 p.m. It's about 30 minutes long. It won't take very much time, but then we're going to Coronado Park afterwards. We're going to minister to the homeless community there. We want to invite you to come. You didn't have to be at the training but you need to be there at the 1 p.m. training to go with them. Does that make sense? Awesome. Another couple things. Hey, yesterday after service, we had a few people give their lives to Jesus. Can we just give God praise for the salvations that he's bringing out of this house? We're increasing the kingdom and giving him glory. Amen. Another thing, this Tuesday is Holy Spirit Night. We are so excited because this this month we are focusing 100% on the prophetic. If you need a word from God, come this Tuesday. If you need a healing, the healing rooms will be open. Last night we learned three things. One, if you're in a season where it's either you've been, uh, where you feel like you've been set aside or you're in a dry season or you need something, some refreshing, there are three things you can do. One, ask for a prophetic word. Two, obey the prophetic word. And three, be interruptible. Does that make sense? Wasn't that good? Absolutely. So come this Tuesday, March 3rd for Holy Spirit Night and get a word. Get a word for your life. Also, we have the Global Awakening event coming up. As many of you know by now, many of you have signed up to serve, which is amazing. But in order to serve, you have to go to a welcome team training March 7th or 8th, whether you come on Saturday or Sunday. If it's Saturday, you come before service. If it's Sunday, plan to stay after service. But we do have that for you, and we're excited about it. I think that's everything. So at this point, we're just going to pass things off to continue our service of worship through tithes and offerings. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Why don't you stand for the offering? Don't worry, you get to sit for a long time while I preach. At least an hour and a half. <laughs> um, Let's just take uh, a little moment to be quiet and seek the Lord quietly on your own.
Thank you, Lord. Now let me just provoke you for a moment. If that is hard for you, then God has something more for you. And, you, and constantly in this life, we're like, no, no, I want, I want the more. It's the witness of the spirit that comes to us that brings, that brings transformational changes. And it's the ability to uh, dial into the conscious experience of his presence that we all need desperately. So I bless you that the eyes of your understanding will be opened. I bless you that you may be granted access to the throne of his grace in a way that is more than theoretical, but experiential. I bless you that in the quiet times, the loudest voice will not be the screaming of this world, but the presence of the Holy One of Israel who loves you and has pursued you and brought you to himself. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you, you can be seated. And while you're doing that, we have had um, a nice weekend where we've had a team from Global Awakening. Um, I've wanted this year to be a, re, uh, a back to the future year, that is a return to what we're for and what we're about. And that means pressing into things of the kingdom. I think y'all are missing somebody over here. <laughs> Hallelujah. There you go. There you go. We can direct that traffic. Um, this team, I, I wanted them to come before the conference intentionally. And uh, uh, it's, it's been enriching to hear their voices, to see them in their, in their giftedness, and to believe in them for the, <clears throat> for the glory. Excuse me. No, I don't have a cold. I just have a frog in my throat. All right, now. The things they've been teaching are summarized on a series of cards. Um, and they are about uh, prayer for healing, prophecy, um, prayer for deliverance. And there's a card in here on PTSD. Um, Mike Hutchings has a special anointing um, for dealing with that, and they've, they've done a, a card summary. These cards are $2 a piece, and you can pick them up at the information desk after the service is over. Last night, uh, one of the team members, Lewis, uh, spoke to our church. It was uh, fascinating to me on one level uh, because um, he spoke on David at Ziklag and 
if there's any church that has a history with David at Ziklag, it's this one. Um, both through the fact that uh, Mama Gail teaches uh, on strengthen yourself in the Lord from Bill Johnson's book, and by the fact that that word has been given to us at seminal times of our of our history. We have a story. We are a people of a story. We are also people living inside a story. Uh, it's, it's time for us to dig back into the narratives. Uh, and I realize what I have done in my, ha- in my haste. It's time, it's time for us to do that. I've just come back from Mardi Gras. What's interesting about Mardi Gras is that Mardi Gras is actually one of the means by which um, we live out our narrative lifestyle. Um, by that I mean we mark time. Uh, Mardi Gras is the French word for what? There you go, Fat Tuesday. And um, that means it marks a time. The time that it marks is, uh, is the time after Epiphany, which is the, the, the period of time of the revelation of the Son of God and the, the, the coming of the Son of God into the world and his manifestation to the world and the king's visit to him to see who is this is that has come. And the entrance into a season called Lent, which is six weeks leading up to uh, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. Probably last week, some of you saw uh, on the news media talking heads with ash on their, on their forehead because they went to their church and celebrated Ash Wednesday. That is the time after Fat Tuesday that on Ash Wednesday, you mark out the time that you're entering into a season of self-reflection and self-denial and preparation for the one who comes. The, the high church, yes, I said the high church, the liturgical church, Throughout the world, marks time every year, marking the calendar with uh, the events that say, This is who we are. You and I belong to uh, that, those scoundrels in the low church. <laughs> Once. <laughs> What we did was we looked at that and frankly, what we did is we looked at that and said, for us, that's dead ritual. We want living relationship. Interestingly now, what we do, what we all do is we sort of make new rituals that become dead rituals because it's what human beings do. And so a lot of people are now returning to the old paths. The Christian life is a a narrative life of a story. We're living it out. This is our moment. This is our hour. We're living out of the story that has marked us for thousands of years because it is the Judeo-Christian story. And when I come to Ephesians, what I have to say to you is, Whether you know it or not, Paul 
is reinterpreting the story that he has lived out his whole life. And he's, he's marking the ancient story lines with new, fresh revelation. So, okay, got it? That's where we're going today. You say, well, that's kind of what you do all the time. Yes! <laughs> because if people know who they are, they know how to act. If you have your identity, then you have, then you have your, uh, your understanding of what lies before you. It's also interesting because it's that, it's that brutal cycle of the American story called the election year. And the election year is where people who are running for office attempt to retell the human story, or if you will, even retell the American story. And what they want you to do is to buy into their version of the story. And they try to scare you. It's worse than hellfire and damnation preachers. They try to scare you. They try to intimidate you. They try to get you to, to shift your thinking. And as I've told my church many times, basically politicians are preachers of salvation narratives based on their understanding of reality. Um, and you live that out every day. You live it out. You live it out in ways you don't even understand or know. Um, the big drivers are, are anger and fear. The driver that, that our gospel wants us to have is revelation, faith, hope, and love. And that's in our text that's coming up as I've, as I've been in this uh, letter to the Ephesians. Now, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. I'm a stuttering preacher. I repeat myself. <laughs> Where we are in Ephesians is Paul telling the Israel story and including the Gentile family and saying to us, it was always his intention that we would be in his story. Again, I've just been in Mardi Gras. And the way people act at Mardi Gras is directly related to their interpretation and understanding of the story. There's a group there at Mardi Gras that tell the story um, through intimidation, fear, and threats of hell, imminent threats of hell. And it goes like this. Uh, it's a simple thing. They, they say, the gospel story is this. We're all going somewhere. We're either going to heaven or we're going to hell. And these guys believe that if people are going to hell, then, then at every price, at every cost, warn them. And there's a group of guys that go down on the, the Mardi Gras streets with, with bullhorns and hellfire signs, and everybody that passes by, they warn them of the wrath to come. 
And it wouldn't take long for me to gather momentum for their story. Except the thing that you come to understand very quickly is the way they are telling the story is so offensive that it closes more ears than it opens. It's so abrasive that it, that it instead of opening hearts, it nails them shut. And so the truth is, uh, myself, uh, some of the people at your church, our friend John, who's been going, John Schultz, who's been going for 38 years, we go down and we tell the story differently. And it's a lot of fun, actually. Kind of fun. It's even kind of fun being in the vortex of the conflict of how you tell the story. I actually tell people now, yeah, I'm kind of glad those guys are here and I'm kind of glad I don't have to do what they do. No, like I'm extremely glad I don't have to do what they do. And, uh, and lots of times, uh, Christians who want to talk about the love of God in Christ and about the gift of God in forgiveness and about the blessing of God in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will get into, try to get into arguments with these guys and boy, that's a fool's errand. In fact, let me just tell you, if somebody has the microphone, don't argue with them. If somebody has the bullhorn, don't argue with them. In other words, you always pick your ground for the fight. Every good general fights on ground that is friendly to their cause. And every general who picks the wrong ground loses the battle before it starts. All you got to do is go with me to Gettysburg and look across that field where Pickett's charge went a mile over open field into a crossfire and wonder, did General Lee get drunk the night before? Because no rational person would send an army across there. That ground was defeated ground from the beginning. All right, now... Come back to my story. I had a wonderful moment at the Mardi Gras where I went over to the Baptist Seminary, the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Now for me, that's kind of home territory because I'm a Baptist of 25 years and I went to Baptist Seminary. So I went to their student center and I'm in there. And having a conversation with our own uh, beloved Ethan Grant. And all of a sudden, the guys from New Orleans, from, the, from Bourbon Street, marched into the atrium of the Baptist Seminary. Right? Are you kidding me? And they started telling the narrative of, of the story from their perspective. And they're, and they're standing there in the atrium screaming at students and faculty that they're all going to hell for doing things like teaching eternal security, playing video games. And then of course they work their way over to the gross sins. And I'm, and I'm sitting there. Hey guys, it wasn't really my territory. Not really. I'm not a student there. I'm not a teacher there. And these guys are making an ugly scene. And everybody's frozen. 
And I'm sitting there going, why doesn't somebody do something? And all of a sudden I heard myself doing something. I won't, I won't go into all that just to say, hey, they weren't on home ground anymore and I perp walked them out the door while they were telling me I was going to hell and I was telling them that's above your pay grade. <laughs> anyway, that's just a fun story. You're like, you wanna hear stories of Jesus and I'm like, no, this is my story. Let's tell the story again one more time. Let's look one more time at these verses that I've been looking at with you in Ephesians. You say, Pastor, you've exhausted them. I have not. And when you talk about what I was talking about last week, the doctrine of election, you have to know something. People's minds are so fixed on a certain narrative that even when you tell them another way of looking at it, they don't hear it the first time. So I'm going to try again, a little bit. Ephesians 1, 4, he chose us in him before the world was made so as to be holy and irreproachable before him in love. He foreordained us for himself to be adopted through Jesus the King. That's how he wanted it. And that's what gave him delight. So that's the glory of his grace. The grace he poured out on us in his beloved one might receive its due praise so that the glory of his grace, the grace he poured on us in his beloved one might receive its due praise. And you can tell I've used a different translation. It's called the kingdom translation. One of my favorite translations of the New Testament. Now, what happens to us is we stand here, we look at that, we flatly interpret it, and then we start asking questions. I don't want you to do that. I've never wanted you to do that. I want you to say, I want you to understand this. This is the Exodus story retold for a kingdom audience. Paul can't tell any other story than the story that he's on. Listen, Paul did not come to a place in his life where he said, I've been telling the wrong story. He came to the place in his life where he says, I've been telling the right story, but I didn't have this information when I was telling the story. I've been telling the right story the wrong way. Listen, when you receive more, then you can do it. I'm gonna to talk to you next week about the revelation of Jesus Christ. But get this, the way you see life is completely related to what you have received and the narrative you're living inside of. I took the time to listen to Bernie Sanders when he was the governor, I mean, the mayor of Burlington. Went back and listened to some speeches because I wanna know what's going on with this guy. What's going on with this guy is that he wants to shift the way we tell our American story. And he sees it a whole different way. I don't really see it the way he sees it, but I'm intrigued and I, I need to understand him. It's important, I think. And it's important to say, he doesn't have everything wrong. None of them do. 
Now, that's not what I'm doing. What I want you to do is to see your story in the kingdom of God. And it'll have an outcome. It'll even have a political outcome. He chose us in him before the world was made. Okay, how does, how does that work out? Because we are living, because we all live inside a narrative of individuality, we have a hard time understanding this story. Because it was told to a people, and it, it came from a people who lived in corporality. I belong to us. I don't just belong to me. And so when you see this language, it's us language, not me language. And when you see it that way, look, for instance, if I said to this, he chose us in him before the world was made. If I told you that was written to Israel, you would go, oh yeah, I understand that completely. You wouldn't have any questions about it and you wouldn't get into this weird thing about, about them being the only people God loves. But you would say, oh, he chose them for what he was up to. I get that. And when he chose Abraham, he chose all of them. You would get that. You would get that. So what I'm saying to you is he's now telling the Abraham-Israel story to Gentiles who are mixed into a Jewish community. And that's the us. Meaning, meaning that the mess the world's in didn't catch our God off guard. And from the very beginning, the intentions of his heart and the plan of his love was to do something about the mess that we created with the gift that he gave us. What gift? The gift of bearers of his image. So that instead of representing him, we, we did not represent him. Okay, he foreordained us for himself to be adopted. Now he's saying, now you get it. The Jews were born into this, we were adopted. How? Through Jesus, the King. That's how he wanted it. And that's what gave him delight. So that to the, pray, to, uh, to the glory of his grace, the grace which he poured on us in the beloved one, that it might receive its due praise. Ultimately, this is a Jesus story and we're in it. Ultimately, the chosen one of God was the son of God who is the only one who could do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Now, here's the deal. Salvation is this. Literally, salvation is when the eyes of your understanding are open and you go, oh. Now it gets personal. This is for me. And I'll talk to you about faith in the coming weeks. But I, I gotta, we got to get this because here's what will happen. You'll walk out of here like I did. Listen, I walked out of here and I went and hung out with a bunch of... I, I, I basically did a world tour through my own past history. So while I was gone, almost every day I had a meal with a preacher, both Baptist preachers, vineyard preachers, calico cat preachers. 
I went to my, I, <laughs> I went, I'm sorry. Most of us are mutts. <laughs> I went to my old, I went to my old uh, haunt, which is the bookstore at the Reformed Seminary. Um, you don't, you, you, you can't understand this because, listen, I, when, I was eight, when I was 19 years old, I started buying Christian books at this bookstore. So over 40 years, I've been buying books from these people, right? And it's a, it's a reformed seminary. And what you have to understand, if you don't know what I know, you'll go in there and you'll get in a bear trap. Because they'll start talking to you and they will turn you every way but loose. But I've been hanging around there a long time and I've slipped out of that thing a lot of times. So I walked in and they started talking to me about their understanding of salvation and of election. Oh, it was so much fun. I was like in my own heaven. Because <laughs> I was talking to people who see election individually And they have that whole narrative that I read to you last time I preached. They have that narrative worked out and every answer is worked out. And so I just kind of casually started talking, well, what is this book? What is this book? And, and the first thing you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't see it that way. Wait, you're a covenant preacher and you're not reformed? I'm like, yeah, there was covenant before there was reformed. And then it was fun because he started asking me questions and I started giving him answers and he would pause. And it was real clear to me. He's so locked into the way he understands things that when I would give him answers that were outside the bear trap, because he knew if I ever answered one of his questions the way he wanted me to, then he logically had me. Now I'm digressing and you don't want to hear all this. This is your pastor having fun. This is your pastor throwing yarn in front of a cat. And dragging the string along. <laughs> but he chose us. And this is actually the Exodus story told for us. He did choose us. He chose us in Christ before the world was begun. He chose us. He said, I'm going to get them from every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, every language. I'm going to go and find them and get them and bring them back to myself. I'm not going to send, merely send messengers. I'm going to go and find them. It's called the incarnation of God. All right, so, so you understand this. Ephesians 1 is the Exodus story written for a larger audience. It goes on. Because now he has to tell, if you're going to do the Exodus, you have to do what? You have to have a Passover sacrifice. And where there's no Passover sacrifice, there's no Exodus. Well, what is the Exodus? I didn't really tell you. The people of God are in a strange land and they're in slavery. And they have a covenant with God. And they're crying out to God. And they need to be brought out. And God sends a deliverer, Moses. 
and tells their oppressor, Pharaoh, to set his people free. He's not cooperative. Now, everyone who was reading that story that was, this letter was written to would have, was reading this, they would have gotten it. In other words, the letter to the Ephesians is Paul's plastic card with the whole story told on it for the whole family. And I told you before, if, and if you read this letter, you'll come to understand it wasn't just written for that one local church. It was written for a larger audience. And you can see it in the way it's written. So this is, this is the media that we're using in an earlier form. But once again, it wasn't hard for them because they're so immersed in the I am story of the Exodus that he went, oh, that's, that's, that's me. So do you get this? This is you. And your story for the world is that we are Exodus people. We have come out of slavery from a different slave master and we've been set free. Now how? Oh, well, there was a Passover. In the king and through his blood, we have deliverance. That's the whole Passover story. Deliverance is the word redemption. Redemption is the word you were bought and paid for. You were purchased out of slavery. A king came and purchased us out of slavery in the cost of his own blood. That is to say, his own outpoured life. Yep. This, is, this is why, man, because this is the stuff, and this is good, because you need to understand, everywhere I went, I want you to know I found more agreement than disagreement with my brothers in Christ. And then by the time I got down on, on, on Bourbon Street, it was so much fun for me because they were having Fat Tuesday. And I'm like, do y'all know what this story is about? So I have conversations with people about what Fat Tuesday is. It was fun. I have a... I always have a lot of stories. Can I tell you the truth? I both loathe it and love it. You know, it, I mean, I go down there and I'm like, what am I doing here? And, uh, and I'm goofy and I'm holding a sign and, and people are scorning me. And, and, uh, and, and girls think if they flash me, I'll shut up. You know, girls think that flashing you is Jesus kryptonite. And, and you, you can't get this stuff just anywhere. No, you can't. And I go, what am I down here for? And then somebody will walk up and say, yes, you can pray for me. And the man holds his drink up and says, will you pray for me that God will deliver me from this? And his wife is standing there. And, and, a woman who a minute ago was trying to intimidate you with her, with her behavior sees you look in her eyes and sees you say something of peace to her and she goes, you're not like those other ones, are you? Yes, you can pray for me. And you know what I do now? Keep my eyes open. Don't, don't close your eyes to pray on Bourbon Street. <laughs> you, 
I'm sorry, I know, I know, I know. You think it's worse with your eyes? No, worse things can happen with your eyes closed. <laughs> I looked them in the eye and I speak the blessing of God over them. May the Lord bless you with an understanding of his love for you and of his plans for your life and of the hope that is for your future and of what you were made for and how he knew you before you were even born and how he desires for you to know his love. And they melt people. Or they curse you. And that's all right too. In the king and through his blood, we have deliverance. That is our sins have been forgiven. Hey, Israel, take a lamb, sacrifice it. Drain all the blood, paint your doorpost, consume the lamb, gird up your loins, and pass through the wall of blood into your redemption because the Lord has heard your cry and he has acted to bring you out of your slavery. You have no past, you have a future. It's the gospel, people. You've been forgiven. Listen, we exist not to declare to people their damnation, but their redemption, their forgiveness. That the, that the one who can condemn you has not done so. He has loved you. It's the gospel. <laughs> Through the wealth of his grace, which he lavished on us. Yes, with all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the secret of his purpose, just as he wanted to be and, it's, and set it forward in him as a blueprint. For when the time was ripe, his plan was to sum up the whole cosmos in the king. Yes, everything in heaven and earth. What? Can I ask you a question? Why is it that in this presentation of the gospel, he doesn't mention going to heaven or hell? Why, if that's the story, why isn't it mentioned? Don't you know? Why don't you say it plain? Because we've taken the story and in our inability to tell the story well, we've, we've shaved it off into a way that we put it in political snippets so that we can scare and intimidate people to aligning themselves with us. His story is much greater, much more glorious. It is to say that in, in his time and in his way, he intends to forgive sins, to restore creation, to cause all things to reflect his glory and be for the purpose for which they were made in him. And this is Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Do you know? He's, so what he's saying to us is he did this. He's given you an exodus for his purposes. You are a people of purpose. You are a people of intentionality. People always say, well, I'm trying to find God's purpose. You are God's purpose. 
You being you in him is his purpose for the world. You being you representing him in the schools, in the business, in the politics, in the streets, in the, in the marketplaces, in the places where you go. You being you in him. You are the purpose of God. He has purposed his intentions in you. What does that mean? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I think you are. And it's the Exodus story once again. This piece, you can see it. You saw it here. He's talking about his purposes. You see it here. He's talking about the Exodus. He's talking about us going out. It's the only way this story makes sense to them. Listen, Paul did not change his religion when he met Christ. Paul's faith was fulfilled when he met Christ. He said, this is that. Peter said, this is that. This is what it meant. This is what it pointed to. We, we have... New revelation. Wait till I come to the place where I say, praying for your eyes, your understanding to be opened. Because every time I meet somebody who knows Jesus, you know what I find out? Their eyes have been opened. They see something they didn't see before. Hallelujah. All right, y'all okay? Good, because I got to catch my breath. My friend N.T. Wright. This is the interlude before I go to the finish. Worship for Christians will almost always involve telling the story of what God has done through Jesus. Always. Always. Now I'm going to say it again. It's not a different story than the Jewish story. It's the same story fulfilled. It's the Passover lamb seen with new eyes. It's the Passover moment seen with new understanding. He did not merely set us free from our political malaise, but he set us free from the bondage that held us with chains that cannot be seen, but which bind us nonetheless in our slavery. And so we come together, and what do we do? We tell the Jesus story. How my life was, how I met him, what he did for me. And listen, a whole bunch of us tell it through the eyes of, a, of, our, of our prodigal hearts. I can't tell you how many people I run into say, well, I grew up and da, 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 da. And then, and then I fell away. Had somebody tell me, like, really recently. Grew up, and then I fell away. And then I know. They fell away because even though they grew up inside the story, the eyes of their understanding were not open to know both who they were and what this story is implicating. In him we have received the inheritance. Okay, ready for some fun? When they went out of Egypt, where'd they go? 
Help me out. Wilderness. wilderness. You guys are good. I expected somebody at least to say promised land. No, they went to the wilderness. Ah, the wilderness story. What did they have in the wilderness? Huh? <laughs> Mana, grumbling. What else did they have in the wilderness? Hmm? Quail. Quail. What else did they have in the wilderness? Somebody help me. The fire. They had the pillar of fire. Oh, they had the holy presence. They had the manifestation of the presence of God. They didn't have that in slavery. The cloud and the fire, the mysterious, awesome, awe-inspiring presence in their midst. And listen, here's an interesting thing. It wasn't quite in them, was it? It was external to them, but manifest to them. In a, in a strange way, you have to understand, you and I, you and I are the cloud and the fire in the wilderness of this world. <laughs> What's my purpose? To carry his presence in the midst of a wilderness. What upset me most about the bullhorn guys was I couldn't sense the presence. I could, I could sense the anger and the fear. And by the way, I like those guys. You know, I started to say something terrible. You should always be thankful after every sermon for the things the pastor did not say. And then you should repent because you want to know. <laughs> These young ladies have been around me a couple days and like, we don't want to know nothing else about you at all. We, we, we're full. We're tapped out. We're good. <laughs> In him, we have, we have received the inheritance. We were foreordained to this according to the intention of the one who does all things in accordance with the counsel of his purpose. Now, don't miss where he said that. He said it right here. It was a blueprint for, the full, for when the time was right. His plan was to sum up the whole cosmos in the king. Yes, everything in heaven and earth in him. In him, we have received the inheritance. So the one whose purpose the one whose purpose is the whole cosmos is the one whose inheritance we carry. We're the carriers, we're the, we're the heirs. I heard a story about um, an, a British, um, an English, um, I don't even know how to tell it, a family who, you know, lords and ladies of England and had a castle and had riches and had wealth and it had been in their family for, uh, listen, hundreds of years because it was their inheritance passed down through the generations. And then the man died with no heir. And the whole thing passed over to his brother. Suddenly, suddenly, the brother was endowed with an inheritance 
that had not been really his, but had been in the family. And what does he say? He turned the whole thing into something for the whole nation instead of something for himself. In him, we've received the inheritance. We were foreordained for this. Now listen, look what it says. Have received. Already have received the inheritance. We are foreordained for this. The people of Israel were in the wilderness as heirs to a kingdom they did not yet possess, but its presence was in their midst. (laughs) You and I are heirs of a kingdom that is not yet, but just like in the wilderness, it is already present, already here. I'll come to a passage where we'll talk about all things being under his feet, but that's again for another day. In him we have received the inheritance. We are foreordained for this according to the intention of the one who does all things in accordance with the counsel of his purpose. This was so that we who first hoped in the king might exist for the praise of his glory. That is to say, the people who first received the revelation, and I love this, I told you this, Paul includes himself in that. Even though, Paul, you understand Paul's basically a second generation Christian. He wasn't an apostle, nor was he in the company of, of, the, of, of, the, of the ones that were there on the day of Pentecost. He, he was a second, but he says, we who were first. Because in Christ, every person who receives the grace of God in the power of the Holy Spirit feels like they were first generation and that it all belongs to them. And you walk around feeling sorry for people that they don't know what you know. And as I've said, or used to say a lot, God is a father who has the power to make every one of his children feel like they're the favorite, as if you're the only child. Now, you're not to live like pompous ingrates, but to live as those in whom the manifest glory of God is available for anyone who will receive. And that's why Jesus said to the woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's speaking to you, you would ask me and I would give you something to drink and you'll never be thirsty again. And that's how you go down to Mardi Gras. as one who wants to be the revelation of the gift of God so that they can drink and not be thirsty again. In him, you guys know that I'm, this is like the fourth time I'm preaching the same passage to you, right? I don't think y'all are bored yet. But I'll move on anyway after this week. In him, you too, who heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed it. In him you were marked out with the spirit of promise. Now, let's put this in Passover language. Israel, On this night, God is going to deliver you. Take the lamb, sacrifice it, 
drain its lifeblood, mark the doorposts. Oh, eat the lamb. By the way, if you could have seen Israel that night from heaven, you would have seen a lamb. No, you would have seen a lamb slain and yet alive from the dead. And Israel was on that night, a nation dead, made alive. And they were marked. Or they were marked by the blood on their doorposts. You and I are marked by the spirit of grace. You're marked out. This is why I can never say to someone, have you received the spirit who is a believer? Every believer has received the spirit. I can ask, I can ask, have you received the fullness of his spirit? And have you released the gift, the release of the gifts in his life? There's much more to receive having received. But no, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus receives Holy Spirit and is marked out by his grace and is delivered from their sins and is set free. The Spirit, you believe that? Not one little peep of an amen? In Holy Ghost churches, they're all going, does he got that right? <laughs> Listen, you can't be born of the Spirit without receiving the Spirit. <laughs> you can't receive Jesus without receiving the Spirit. <laughs> now, having received the Spirit, you can keep receiving and receive more. He who supplies the Spirit, an ongoing flow, says Galatians, says John chapter 4. There's more to receive. That's why when some Christian says to me, I've got all I need, I'm like, okay. Me, I'm going after more. The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the time when the people who are God's special possession... That's the language of Exodus 19. <laughs> Are finally reclaimed and freed. This too is for the praise of his glory. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand together.